As a former Catholic, I spent years in CCD, which is an education that all Catholics go through to learn about the Catholic Church and supposed to learn about God. But even after I finished my confirmation, which happens usually around the age of 15, I couldn't tell you who Jesus was. I couldn't share one thing he told his disciples. In fact, I really didn't even know what I had faith in. This is because I never opened my Bible to learn about who Jesus is and what he said. So let's do that today. Let's spend some time with our Father in Heaven so that he can teach us through his Holy Word what faith is, how we can develop faith, and how faith can transform our lives and the lives of others. Welcome to the Narrow Path series, a pod bringing Christians like you from around the world together to learn more about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and how to worship Him in truth and in spirit. Whether you've just been saved or you've grown up in a Christian home, this series will open your eyes to the false teachings and practices that have become rooted in society and are slowly pulling you away from the straight and narrow path. Join me, your host Courtney, as I dive into the scriptures to uncover the truth about what God expects from us, his children, and how we can walk towards him in our daily lives. Hey there, and welcome back to the Narrow Path series as we continue our discussion of how to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Last episode, we uncovered the truth behind salvation, which is that it's a gift from God. It is through our faith in God's son, Jesus Christ, that we are saved. So today, we're going to talk a little bit more about faith. How do we develop our faith? How does it connect with our salvation? And What else does God ask of his children in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven? I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but I know that when I read the scriptures, everything around me feels like it stops. I could be reading in the loudest room with tons of people around me. I could be reading by myself in the evening or the morning. I could be listening to my Bible in the car like a podcast, and yet Anytime I read the Bible, things just seem to stop. The noise of the world around me just goes silent. It's as if God is using this time to speak with me directly. He uses the verses that I'm reading to help me understand how to live my life better, how to please him, how to be happy, and how to be at peace. The Bible is our manual. It's the way that we communicate with our Father in Heaven, and it's the way that our Father in Heaven communicates with us. The Bible is your way of developing your relationship with your Father in Heaven, and it's how you grow your faith. So, let's turn to the Bible to understand what faith looks like in the Scriptures. I would encourage us to go to Hebrews chapter 11, because this particular chapter describes faith perfectly. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And it is through faith that we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen 
We're not made of things which do appear. This particular chapter describes the faith that so many prominent individuals in the Bible exhibited throughout their lives. We read about the faith that Abel had when he offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than his brother Cain. We read about the faith that Enoch had. Remember, Enoch was translated. He did not see death. We also read about the faith that Noah had. He was warned of the coming floods and he was moved with fear. It led him to prepare an ark and he ended up saving his entire house while the rest of the world was condemned for their unrighteousness. We read about so many examples of faith that Abraham demonstrated throughout the scriptures. I mean, he had so much faith that he left his homeland to receive an inheritance that he was promised by God. He was also willing to do something that I think many of us would struggle with. He was asked to offer his only son, Isaac, when he was called to do so. Of course, we also read about the faith that Abraham's wife, Sarah, had when she received strength to conceive Isaac. And then, of course, when she was able to deliver her son, even though she was way past the age of childbearing. We read about the faith that Jacob had when he was dying. Jacob was able to bless both of his sons. We read about the faith that Joseph had when he died. He made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, and he gave commandment concerning his bones. We read about the phenomenal faith that Moses had when he was born, how he had to be hid for three months because children his age were being slaughtered. And then years later, he had so much faith that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to enjoy the pleasures of sin. And instead, he chose to suffer affliction with his people, with the people of God. We read about the faith that the harlot Rahab had when she hid the spies of Israel. In turn, Rahab did not perish. She received life and she received the opportunity to continue with the Israelites. There are just so many examples throughout the scriptures of what faith looks like by God's people. And when I read Hebrews chapter 11, it fascinates me because when I think back to when I was a Catholic, my faith was solely founded upon the works that I was doing. I felt I was responsible for my own salvation. And Really, it had nothing to do with my faith in God. I was always taught that the Bible is too hard to read and that I should just leave it in the hands of the priests because they're way more capable than I am. They went to the seminary school. They're clearly more educated in the scriptures. They know the history. It's all too complicated for me. I mean, these are things that I used to hear, and it's exactly why I was lost, just like every other unbeliever out there. And To be honest, even some people who call themselves Christians, if you don't open up your scriptures, if you don't consume the word of God and really let it guide your life, then you cannot call yourself a true child of God. In order to show the Lord we love him, Jesus tells us in John chapter 14, verse 23, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come on to him and we will make our abode with him. In John chapter 1, we read that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. The Word is alive. And it's through studying the Holy Scriptures that we build a relationship with our Father in Heaven. If anyone tells you that you don't need to read the Scriptures, they're outdated, they don't make sense, you know, you don't have time to do that, 
Let someone else do it for you. Brothers and sisters, don't listen to them because what they're really trying to tell you is that they don't believe in God. They don't believe in Jesus Christ. They don't believe that the Bible is the word of God, but you do. That's why you're seeking the true word of God. The Lord gave us his word so that we could learn about who he is and how to live righteously according to his statutes and his commandments. He didn't give us his word so that we could hide it under our beds or under a bushel, but rather so that the word could be a light onto our feet and a lamp onto our path. You know, some people think they don't have to worry about all of this until they die. They're so busy with life. They are enjoying themselves. They're having a good time. They want to live blindly. However, we just read in John that Jesus has to live with us. He has to make his abode with us now while we're alive, while we're breathing in order for us to be able to live with him in the kingdom of heaven after we die. So if anyone out there is assuming all of this doesn't matter, I would say to them, be careful. You're assuming wrong and you do not want to reap the reward of that incorrect choice. Jesus goes on to warn in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, that not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. You know, I think this is probably one of the verses in the scriptures that actually frightens me the most because it's a verse that many false ministers are keeping intentionally from their flocks. As children of God, we have to do the will of the Father. And in order to know what that perfect will is, doesn't that mean we have to study his word and learn his ways? We have to understand what God says so that we can apply it to our daily lives and live righteously and not according to our own ways or the ways of our families or even the ways of society. God commands that we live not in the flesh, that we do not give in to our sinful, worldly, and carnal desires. We are actually called to be perfect before him. As it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Again, this is something that very few ministers preach, and it's so dangerous. Yes, we are all born sinners. You have to acknowledge that. But God's will is not that we continue living in sin. If we choose to continue to live in sin, then we are not showing God that we love him. We are not keeping his word. We are not living righteously, and we are not honoring him. In Luke chapter 13, verse 24, he says, Many will seek to enter in and shall not be able. This should give insight into the fact that being a child of God does not mean you can continue living your life in unrighteousness as unbelievers do. You can't. False religions like the Catholic Church, though, use things like indulgences to buy your way out of your sinful lifestyle. This is foolishness. Only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can remove sin. He was the ultimate sacrifice after all. That's why we no longer have to perform animal sacrifices the way we used to have to do in the Old Testament. A true child of God must actively work to depart from sin as they put on the cloak of godliness. Now, I'm not trying to say that the moment you become a Christian, you stop facing trials. You stop facing temptations. You no longer have desire suddenly. No, in fact, the moment you choose God, you start to face those things even more because 
you have left the world of sin. Satan is actually very angry. He's lost one of his soldiers. So you know what that means? He's going to throw every single thing at you that he can think of in hopes that you're going to fall, in hopes that you return to your sinful ways. Keep to the straight and narrow path. Live your life according to the word of God because it is freedom. You will learn to be able to overcome so that you no longer intentionally commit sin, but instead you're striving towards perfection. You will learn to have the commandment of God, the law of God engraved in your heart. It's no longer something you even have to think about. It's just a part of who you are. That's what the scriptures talk about when they say becoming a new creature. In fact, that's what it means to be born again. As children of God, we must commune with our Father. We must ask for forgiveness on a daily basis, and we must have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is how our faith grows. Now, what about this concept, once saved, always saved? Many Christians out there believe this notion that once you receive salvation, no matter what you do, you will always enter into the kingdom of heaven. Honestly, it baffles me that this idea is so popular amongst the Christian world because it literally negates everything we just read in the Bible. Children of God, open up your eyes. Do not fall prey to false doctrines like once saved, always saved. Remember what the scriptures say, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He asks all of us to depart from sin and to walk towards perfection, and to really live the word of God. Titus talks about this as well in chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 8, verse 10. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. So this brings us full circle as we talk about works. Remember, I said in the last episode that the Bible does talk about charity. The Bible does talk about good deeds. And that's the challenge. When you hear false religions mix and mingle the true word of God with corrupt teachings, the Bible says that when one has faith, through the grace of God, then and only then can good works follow. In James chapter 2, verse 26, we read, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. When someone is filled with the Holy Spirit and walking with God, they are living his word. And by living his word, They will do good works as Jesus commands. But those works will be done in the name of Jesus and not in your name or for your own glory or for any other reason. You know, we hear a lot about works. Do good works. It's important. But I remember at one point asking myself, what is a work? The Bible talks about those who feed the hungry, those who clothe the naked, those who care for the widows and the orphans. The Bible talks about those kinds of works and they are essential. But it's also important as children of God to pick up your cross, to do works of righteousness, meaning it's important to bring others onto salvation. 
Daniel talks about the importance of helping others find God in chapter 12, verse 3, when he says, They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. This is probably one of my favorite verses because it's so powerful. It's a constant reminder to me that even though preaching the gospel to those who are sinners is difficult, there is beauty in doing it. There is true love in doing it. In fact, I kind of think that's where the meaning of tough love comes from. False churches try to describe love as rainbows and butterflies and everything that feels good. But in fact, love can often mean that you're doing something really difficult, that you're putting your own reputation on the line and Sometimes you're putting relationships with those whom you love on the line. Think back to the last time you shared the gospel with someone who doesn't believe in God. Did you notice how they mock you? The faces they make, the eye rolling, the snarky comments, the gestures. The people you speak with God about aren't always strangers who you can just easily walk away from. They often are people whom you love and cherish, like your family members, or a friend you've known all your life, or a close co-worker. And yet, even in the face of adversity, you're still doing the work of God, because you know it's the right thing to do, because you know it's the work that God has called you as a minister of the gospel and as a saint to do. Yes, you are a saint. The scriptures say that any person who believes in the name of Jesus Christ is a saint, and saints are called to bring many to righteousness. So in doing this work, you will have your reward in heaven. You will have a great big mansion, and you're going to shine like the firmament in heaven as Daniel talks about. So now we know what is needed to enter into the kingdom of heaven. One must have faith in God and his son, Jesus Christ. One must read their scriptures to learn his word, and one must strive to be godly, to parting from sin and bringing many onto righteousness as a true saint. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ into your heart yet, let's pray. Lord Jesus, please hear my prayer. Forgive me, Father, for the sins that I have committed. Help me to walk with you in righteousness. Lord, I accept you into my heart. I accept the sacrifice that you made for me on the cross, and I pray that you help me to walk with you according to your statutes and your commandments all the days of my life. Glory, honor, and praise be unto your holy name, Lord Jesus Christ, forever and ever. Amen. Remember, brothers and sisters, Scripture is the key. Scripture is the Word of God. Scripture is life. Start to read your Bible. Open it up. Consume it. And I promise you will develop a faith that will endure until the end. Let Jesus take away all those worries you have about how to earn your way into heaven. Because the beautiful message here is that through Jesus, you already have the kingdom of heaven. Through Jesus, you already have salvation. Praise God. That about wraps up today's episode. If you want to learn more, I encourage you to visit my ministry's website 
at www.hsapm.org. There you'll be able to read more sermons, Bible class studies, current day events, and prophecy. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Narrow Path series. And remember what Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. But straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. I'll see you all next time.